Thank you for joining us today at Miniature Wargaming Labs. My name is James, and today I'm joined by Mike, or Michael, Mikael, from better known as War Corgi, the famous YouTube channel. How are you doing today? Doing well, James, and it is Michael. Uh, my parents put me through 12 years of Catholic education. I can confirm there is no Saint Mike out there in uh, Catholicism. So, well, his friends know what he likes to be called. <laughs> <laughs> so, my, Michael, you are going to join me as my host today on here, and uh, really enjoyed your YouTube channel. And we'll get to talking about that now. But first, you got to uh, prove your bona fides as a war gamer there what have you been working on lately well uh i just got my hands on the black powder red earth uh game never heard of about it. two weeks ago i've seen your videos <laughs> and they're good uh your unboxing video was actually kind of the inspiration for me to get into the game because the components are super nice you know this you've had your hands on them and i have played one previous modern day warfare game before and that was team yankee but never at the skirmish level so um, been got those 10 models painted up really quickly and gotten some games in with that and starting to do some things on the channel with that. And then uh, just about two weeks ago, kicked off a Oathmark campaign with two of my very good friends. It's a map-based campaign. So we're two games into that. And this coming weekend, we're going to start campaign turn number two with our board moves on the map. Okay, so you... What you do, actually drew out like the little kingdom? And well, like, uh... funny story. I'm not artistic at all. Um, one time I was accused, I had to draw something for work. And when I turned it in, uh, my instructor asked me if my five-year-old son had drawn that. <laughs> and I told him that was an insult to my five-year-old's artistic abilities. Uh, so no, I didn't draw anything for this. Uh, old board game called Rune Wars provided the, oh, okay. the tiles for me. And it's a great board game. I used to play it with the family all the time. Now it's doing, uh, has a second life as our campaign map. And it's so, got resources on it that we're fighting over. Okay. Cause normally you get like the different rings that you pick your territories from. Um, yes. Campaign system. So you actually physically substantiated those. So you've got like the, the dragon's den on like the outer ring? Uh, no, no, it's more abstract than that. So uh, in the game Rune Wars, uh, each home, each faction's home consists of three tiles. And so what we did is we made that inner ring of uh, your first three territories, the farthest most, like most inward part of your kingdom. And then as it goes out towards the map, you have the, you know, second and then third rings out there. And you can get additional territories by taking cities on the map. So we've made it all work, but you know, I, I've made a couple of campaigns in my gaming career. And one of my core tenets is try to keep the game on the table as close to what the rules have as possible and make everything else kind of work around that. So that, that's what we did. We still have the rings for the kingdom, but now they are located on the map and a little bit more consolidated fashion than just like one territory here, one territory there. Okay. Yeah. Cause I think the way the rules are actually written, it's kind of like a paper exercise, like of the imagination. Mm -hmm. So I always wondered about actually doing it as a map and actually, um, cause they have an expansion rule where you can invade and like take someone's uh, territory from them. Oathmark needs to be played as a campaign. I'm convinced. 
but one of the detriments of playing as a campaign is that's a campaign that might never end. So <laughs> have a very good friend and a lot of spare time because you're just going to be going back and forth for years and years and years. <laughs> You'll be like those games of chess through the mail out there. Yeah. I've been playing this game for 10 years. <laughs> it, I think you could probably play an Oathmark campaign for 10 years. Absolutely. <laughs> so putting it on a map um, and we'll probably put a time limit on it of five campaign years. Uh, we run all four seasons for a campaign uh, year. So maybe at the end of five years, whoever controls the most resources wins, but we'll see. I, I personally love the idea of playing with these two guys 10 years from now on the same campaign where the backstories are like fully fleshed out and we're dealing with like the grandkids of the original characters, but we'll see what they're up to. You just need to drive deep, burn their capital city, cook the rivers <laughs> with their dead. <laughs> Have you played Oathmark yet, James? No, it's uh, one of those ones we've uh, gotten. It's actually one of the first games I was able to convince some of the local people here to play a rank and flank game. Mm -hmm. I've got, um, I've got some of the old uh, dwarves from, uh, was it, uh, Warhammer Fourth Edition? Bought some okay, of dwarves there. So I've got some of those. I picked up some of the uh, Forgotten World uh, starter set. The, those come on uh, square bases, so I'm gonna put those together. So it's gonna start with a dwarf army, and then like start adding on other sets there. Um, dwarves, so that, as you might imagine, are very stout in this game. <laughs> well, that's what I was looking at. There, it's like who who could be my uh, commander there? Because you got you got some choices on the leader. Like, do you want to go for like the more traditional leader? Do you want to go for the wizard? You know, do you want to get the wizard's tower? And, but you got to balance that off. You can't have all the great leaders on there you oh. make a choice yeah and um, the kingdom building system is all about choices and you only have so many territories to fill up and so so many more choices to make so you do have to kind of figure out what the flavor of your kingdom is but i asked if you've played it before because if you had you would know that the defender has a huge huge advantage on three of the five scenarios in the main rule book which makes you know driving deep towards that capital a very difficult proposition okay okay now read the book got some of the army put together but we haven't gotten out to play it yet it's, um, it's a great game like my first wargaming experience was with like warhammer fifth edition maybe and it, it takes me back to that, but it's a much more simple, streamlined game, a much more modern game. Well, uh, that's what I noticed about it, especially on the maneuvering and like some of the flanking there. It's kind of like um, angles don't matter. It's like, okay, let's just, all right, now you're fighting. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Very solid game, though. So we have been enjoying the heck out of that. All right, cool. Now, I, I did watch your uh, BPRE painting tutorial there. And your comments about uh, not painting jeans. So. Oh, I, you know, I, 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 I appreciate that. <laughs> um, it was suggested that maybe South American operators wear jeans on operations. I don't even think that's true. But, you know, I don't know a single operator who wore jeans during an operation. So I just, you know, on a principality of the matter, I just refused to paint jeans on those guys. Okay, because I've seen people paint the jeans and they're, I'm sorry, jeans just aren't flexible enough. Maybe if you went to Old Navy, you got some of the painter pants there. It's like, okay, you've got a little room there. I think that's more the uh, DEA, ATF guys. But that's, if they're in cover, 
and they're just walking around some southwestern town. It's like, okay, now put on the jacket. It's like, well, we're not going to change my pants. So <laughs> I, I appreciated the extra detail. They're like, who wears jeans? I mean, <laughs> yeah. It, plus, they don't have nearly enough pockets. You, you have to have a lot more pockets if you're going to be operating. So. Oh, yes. There's the all of them love those cargo pants pockets there. Yeah. If you I don't think they Africa. put anything in there. Like, <laughs> If you go to Africa, you see a guy in 501 khakis with the cargo pants and like a short sleeve shirt and tattoos on both both arms. Probably a special operations guy from the U.S. Just throwing it out there. Well, if you've ever played like a surveillance, counter surveillance out there, say, which one's the operator? I don't know. How about the guy with no neck? <laughs> <laughs> Normally, it's the two guys. How about the two guys with no neck standing over there? No one else looks like them. So, so you watch my painting video, you'll know uh, from that. I'm not a great painter, but I am insistent on painting my minis. So, you know, I, I got that going for me. So if you want a, a video that shows you just how to get them tabletop ready real quick, come to the War Corgi YouTube channel. If you want like a professional video on how to do this, uh, Sam Lins is out there and he paints them up real pretty. Yeah, I've... I watched some of his videos on that mm -hmm. and uh, Insane. yeah, yeah. The skin just glows. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, he does like the highlights on, on the Oakley's uh, which are super small and I just paint mine red, but he, he put his guys in jeans. So it makes me wonder about his credibility when it comes to such things. I'm sure that is what the company likes to have as their image for their operators. But really I think that part was a miss. <laughs> well, Whatever you're comfortable in, right? Like something, something skinny looks fashionable. What do you know? What the first rule of special operations is? What's that? Always look cool. <laughs> that that is for real. And do you know what the second rule of special operations is? What's that? Always know where you're at. <laughs> now, since you didn't know the first and second, I'm going to assume you don't know the third rule, and this is the final one. And that is, if you don't know where you're at, make sure you look cool. <laughs> And so it's, it's, you know, a combination of comfort and looking cool that really goes into the outfit. Well, you can only look cool if you're wearing a bandana. <laughs> Is this 1980s Rambo style? No, no 93 Mogadishu beach landings. Uh, Remember the seal, the seals were told not to wear bandanas. Of course, no one told the uh, Marine recon guys who were landing there. Don't wear bandanas. That word didn't get to them. Well, um, the word got to the press, if you recall, because <laughs> they, yeah, they met him off. at the beach and look at these uh -huh. seals and all the seals were like, those weren't us. We, we didn't wear the bandanas. <laughs> Lights on. Everyone's lit up. See, they, they just didn't look cool enough. That's why everyone switched to the shades after that. You don't yeah. look surprised. Don't look surprised and you look cool. That's that's. <laughs> and, and since you saw my painting video, I know that, you know, since I'm telling jokes here, uh, what SEAL stands for. It's been a long time since I heard that one. All right, go with it. Sleep, eat, and lift. That's all they do on deployment. <laughs> so yeah, when, when you have your Cold Harbor operatives for CT Scorch, don't have any of them be SEALs. You just stick with Marine Special Operations, U.S. Army Special Forces, and... Uh, I don't know if you want a weatherman, you can go air force special ops, but that's completely up to you. It's, it's a, it's a coalition of people that you can come together and create your own little backstory on. <laughs> so 
<laughs> what have you picked as the uh, opposition force for your uh, BPRE guys? Because I saw you playing the uh, battle. So I'm uh, using proxy models. Yeah, because you did a yeah, battle I'm using report proxy on models it, yeah. and I'm using my. I did. I'm using my Star Wars Legion models. And so uh, my rebel terrorists have become <laughs> a Yari terrorist. And then uh, the Hongbin mercenaries are kind of like these high-tech North Korean operatives. And uh, they wear body armor. So I have some Imperial Special Forces doubling as my Hongbin operatives. Okay. But uh, I don't know if you saw on their Facebook page today, they just released like the pictures of uh, some of the ARE network guys that will be coming out in the next 60 days. I'm super excited to get my hands on. Yeah, I know John was, um, I think when I talked to, did the interview with him, he said he ran out of money. Mm. Like, so <laughs> I guess he's got enough money. Gets you so far. Well, he didn't <laughs> kickstart it. He, he, I, I asked him, I pressed him on that point. Why didn't you just kickstart it? He's like, I want to show that I believe in it. Like, okay. You know, but, when I uh, said Kickstarter, I, I think I meant uh, Patreon. That's what they have. Oh, I'm a, yeah. I'm yeah, a member yeah. of their Patreon as well. Uh, that only goes so far, I, I know for sure. At <laughs> <laughs> five bucks a month there. Yeah. All right. It's a heck of a deal. You get access to all their digital products for that. So, well, since you're on BPRE, that mm-hmm. let's, let's start talking about you. Like, um, what's your origin story? How did you get into tabletop gaming and become the Warcore? <sighs> Oh, that's a long story, but I'll keep it short. So started playing Dungeons and Dragons. Like when I found it, I, I'm the youngest of seven. I told you Catholic family. So uh, I was like rooting around in my basement closet and found like the original Dungeons and Dragons box set in like seventh grade and started playing that with some friends. And then we played all through high school. And I think about my junior year, uh, we saw a box called... Warhammer 5th edition and uh, my best friend Jim who is now on my channel uh, and myself went 50-50 on it and from the beginning it was always about the visuals for me and how the game looked on the table so it was always real important to paint my models and we were poor you know high school and then college kids so we would like add one unit at a time and if you played a GW game you know how the whole system works, you know, you get one unit that's more powerful than any other unit that you have. And that forces your friend to go upscale his units by one. And we would just go back and forth on this. Um, and then after college, uh, I, I walked away from miniature wargaming. My ex-wife wasn't a fan of it. And when I got divorced, Is that why she's I your ex-wife? <laughs> many, many reasons. Many, one of them. That was just one of them. <laughs> You know, what should have tipped me off before I got married is uh, I came home one day and I had some miniatures I was painting like on a bar and she got upset about something. And so there was about 60 goblins just wiped off the bar (laughs) all over the basement. And uh, yeah, it was clear that she wasn't supportive of my hobby. And so uh, I walked away from it for about 13 years. Uh, But like as soon as the divorce started happening, the first thing I did was go up into my closet and pull out some old miniatures. And that's how I got restarted. And uh, I went to a local game store uh, where I was at in Savannah, Georgia. And I talked to the owner. I was like, Hey, you know, I used to play this game called Warhammer uh, fantasy battles. He's like, yeah, no one plays that around here. Try this 40 K thing. 
So I tried 40K and that was a lot of fun for a long time. Um, moved over. I did, I did three years in Germany where I lived. It was pretty fantastic. Met a really good friend over there. His name was Simon. He's on the channel a lot in my, my early videos. And we were playing a game called Team Yankee. And we couldn't find anything on YouTube for it. So Simon was like, we should probably start our own YouTube channel and we can do Team Yankee videos. And I was like, okay, that sounds like a good idea. And so the next morning, I messaged him. And I was like, hey, all right, we got our YouTube channel. I called it the Work Horky YouTube channel. And Simon was just shocked. He's like, wait a second. What do you mean you already started? It's like, well, we talked about it yesterday. We said we'd go forward. He's like, you Americans are so impulsive. We're supposed to come up with a chart of the pros and cons and how to, you know, roll this thing. I was like, nonsense. You know, we just do videos. And uh, so that's really how I started. And I've, I've always been a fan of games that don't get a lot of attention. Um, and I like to highlight those the most. So I've just been making battle reports ever since then. Uh, when they came back here from Germany, found some, some good friends to come on the channel with me. And it's mostly because I am a mediocre painter, just battle reports. That's what I like to focus on. I know, so that's one of the, I don't know, battle reports can normally get framed as one of the hardest things to make. It's one of those things that people want more of, but it's one of the ones uh, that are harder to do right. And so that's what's unusual about your channel is it's a lot of battle reports. I I didn't even know you did painting tutorials until I saw you paint up a BPRE guy. It's like, I didn't know he painted. There's a few. Now, some of the painting tutorials on my channel were done by some friends of mine, and those are the better ones. Um, but I, I had a few out there for sure. Uh, one of the things about battle reports is they are easy to do, but hard to master, I would say, because really you don't need much equipment to film a battle. Um, you just need a handy dandy cell phone with a camera on it and then a computer to kind of put it all together. Uh, but you can go online on YouTube and see all kinds of terrible battle reports out there, starting with my channel when we first started. <laughs> But it's one of those things that you grow and progress in just like anything else. And um, I, I like to feel like I put out some pretty quality stuff these days. Well, let me ask you. So you did uh, fantasy battles and then you did 40K mm -hmm. and you did Team Yankee. Mm -hmm. um, so is your, I don't know. I know you also did Star Wars Legion. Yes. So you got really fan. Yeah, really, that's when I heard about you is when you moved over into Legion. Um, and now you're on BPRE. So is it just something that you're tracking, like what's new and uh, less known? Is that where you focus your hobby effort? Or is there games out there you play that you don't put on the channel? Um, no, I don't think there's any games I play that I don't put on the channel. I do move from game to game, it would seem, if, if you look at my history. And I think what it is, is my favorite game is whatever game I played last. So if I get introduced to a new game, I get super excited about it. And I paint all kinds of models and I love to do the battle reports. I was on Star Wars Legion for a very long time. And it got to be like Legion's a very popular game now. Um, big on the tournament scene, just, just lots of attention because it's a great game. It's probably the best rule set I've ever played, but it, it got a little bit too big for me in some ways. I, I never set out to be like the go-to place for any battle reports whatsoever. I was just wanting to share my hobby and tell stories. Um, but it came to pass through a series of events where like the people who were doing Legion battle reports before me, 
uh, either stopped or I surpassed. And I became like the go-to channel in a lot of ways for Star Wars Legion Battle Reports. And that was like a lot of pressure, man. And I, I don't like pressure when it comes to my hobby. And so one of the reasons why I moved away from it is because it was all that pressure. And then moving to a game like Oathmark, which doesn't have many battle reports for it, or now BPRE, same thing. Um, I, I don't feel that pressure. I'm just just having fun and showing people some new games. Well, so I think I mentioned in the pre-call that this channel is normally directed at people that uh, play three games or more. So you fall into that, but you don't play three games simultaneously. Uh, no, I would I would argue I play three games simultaneously right now. So Oathmark, as I've mentioned, really big right now. BPRE, we're just starting to get into our gaming rotation. Definitely big. And I do owe my fans a Star Wars Legion battle report, so that's going to be coming back as so you're well. Still, so you're still pursuing uh, Legion? Yes, just probably not as passionately as I was before. And one of my big fears about doing a battle report now is some things have changed since I last played a game of Legion, so I'm a little, <laughs> a little worried I'm behind the, the meta on this one. But Chris is going to come back. We're going to play a game, and it's probably going to be Empire versus Rebels with like all of the old stuff. <laughs> Well, so. I, I have looked at playing BPRE because I've I've got Legion, um, so that that would fit in well with uh, just using Legion figures BPRE. Oh, for um, sure, because uh, it's just a rule set. Just swap swap skins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, um, I am OCD enough that like if I'm playing with the wrong models, it will bother me. <laughs> Chris will come on the channel and they'll be like, these dwarves are actually elves and their swords are actually bows. And then he ran Tauntauns in the game of uh, Oathmark one time, which just, you know, almost made my brain explode. I, I'm not that type of person. So as, as soon as these new miniatures come out for the ARE uh, faction, I'm going to be on them and they're going to be in the games. But in the meantime, since there are none available, uh, I definitely think the, the, the rebels being terrorists are, are a good fit, you know, terrorists are terrorists. So, well, it's, um, I don't know. I, so, with modern, I started with uh, Spectre Operations, mm -hmm. um, because that was like, uh, after Force on Force, Spectre Operations seemed to really grab a lot of like the ultra modern community, and particularly like, um, if you wanted to imagine yourself in like the O Dark 30 type environment like spectra operations like had rules for like putting a bag over someone's head and like dragging them away that type of thing it seems um, like a super in-depth uh rule set that kind of combines miniature wargaming with role-playing in some ways and making your characters and just having the freedom of action to do whatever the heck you want in a lot of cases yeah trying to catch that movie vibe that's um i know with bpre when i was talking to john his comment was about it, it was like Look, no, most of you aren't making out of this engagement. <laughs> this, is, this is a 200 yard by 200 yard snapshot. And uh, most of you aren't coming out of this kill box. Yeah, I, I described it as fast, deadly, and fun. Which well, is uh, what you want in a game. Well, his real designers, like half your models probably aren't going to make it past the second round on that game. So, um, no, I think you're the first. Are you you might be the second person I've seen do a battle report for BPRE. I think there's three battle reports up now. And one of them was a live stream um, 
with Michael from the company at a gaming store. That's right. They did that. Is that on YouTube now? Because I know they were. Okay. I remember that. But just part two, because part one got corrupted or something. Okay. That explains it. I was wondering, because it seemed like too bad. It's like, I'd really like for them to preserve that video, because it was like the first demo at that store somewhere, South Carolina or something. It's it's light up. That would make sense. Um, I didn't really catch where it was. But, uh, yeah, it was a pretty good run-through, and it was games two and three of a night raid. Um, But it was kind of static camera, and then I did mine, so that's, you know, my traditional floating camera getting down in the action. And then just recently, another channel came out with a battle report, uh, which uses 3D terrain, and uh, that was super deadly. Well... You know, honestly, um, when I was reading the rules and it's like you realize this is kind of so when they designed it, the game was actually a spinoff of them planning out their video game. Mm -hmm. So that two dimensionality is just how they were thinking about planning the video game. And honestly, um, I prefer the two dimensionality. I don't want to add anything three dimensional to it because um, it makes me think of um, Patriot Games. Yeah. When they're sitting in the command room watching like the SAS guys run across the Libyan desert, it has that feel of that two-dimensional look where you see the guys run through the buildings and shoot everyone. It makes gameplay so simple as well, having it just two-dimensional. Now, I like the visual aspects like I mentioned. So I just recently added some cars to my collection and some like... uh, city rubble as well so we're gonna start using that and i would i would love to have buildings but i think an important part of the gameplay is using at least the types of buildings they have with numerous rooms and doors that you have to open because if you it's such a deadly game if you're just running around on the streets it's going to be quick like seconds quick (laughs) Uh, you, you do need those buildings that you can move into and through in order to get towards objectives i'm convinced so it, I think it, they did a great job of setting it up. I have I have the game behind me. And, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, looking at it. <laughs> they, they did a great job with the maps and everything. We had tested the game before we got the terrain, the 2D terrain, and um, it was a slaughter for the ARE forces. They, they just oh, totally overwhelmed uh, the CT Scorch guys. But once you put those buildings on and make things a little bit more compact, it makes things a lot more even for the two sides. Now you pointed out something, um, the static camera versus the floating camera. Mm-hmm. And so I think the biggest problem when you do a YouTube channel is how much time are you going to spend editing the video? Because depending on your production process on the front end, like when you're actually filming, if you do a crappy job filming it, you got to spend a lot of time editing and no one likes editing. So that's going to, prevent you from putting videos up on your channel and like any decent rate there. So why did you choose the hand floating, like the um, gorilla miniature games approach of like, you've got a mic, your iPhone's floating around. You've gone for the Michael Bay shaky action shot. Like the hell not of- too shaky. <laughs> um, <laughs> why did I go with that instead of like a, a fixed camera? 
is because I had an iPhone over in Germany and I didn't have a fixed camera. And so it was like, what was it? have a tripod or <laughs> nothing. I didn't even have a microphone. So if you look at the very first Team Yankee test battle report, it's just me playing Team Yankee by myself uh, with an iPhone in hand and uh, no type of microphone except for the internal mic on the phone. So it was just convenience. And I think I put the whole thing together on, on my iPad later on with the Apple software that comes with it. And it was, you know, that easy. And it's one of those things like it can be super easy to do bow reports using something like iMovie. Uh, but then you do try to get better at the craft and, you know, now I got AVS editor pro and I got lights behind me and I have microphones. Um, but it doesn't take much to get started. And the thing that's going to prevent you from moving forward if you're looking to do video battle reports is your own standards a lot of time. But you're not going to be able to improve your product or your videos until you put them online and get some feedback. So just getting over that initial hur hurdle is probably the most important part. All right. How, how do you find, since you've done Legion, which has like mm -hmm. the three-dimensional terrain, and you've tried out BPRE, the two-dimensional terrain, um, What's it? How do you find filming those? Because I know sometimes when you're using three-dimensional terrain and you're doing like, you probably have it less since you're not using the static camera, but you always run that chance of like something being behind a piece of terrain. So if you're watching the video, you might have like, you know, a blind side of the board, like a shadowed area. For sure. Uh, having that handheld camera means you can go wherever the action is. And so it makes it very easy. The static camera is a little bit more difficult for that, obviously. Um, so I just filmed the battle report for Oathmark and about halfway through, because Chris was taking a super long time to make decisions, uh, my phone camera, uh, phone battery ran out. And so I just switched my iPad, which was on a, on a tripod. And <laughs> I, that, I much prefer having it in my hand. I feel like I have so much more control than the tripod gives you. Tripod gives you. And it's just a lot more fun for me. And then Chris, just being Chris, he doesn't even know he's doing it, will be like activating unit on the right side of the table. And then he'll grab his dice, roll it on the left side of the table. But he won't do that consistently. Sometimes he'll put the dice in the middle. It's like wherever I try to film him, he would move it. And so I'm having to mess around with this tripod, which was a nightmare just it's so much easier if you just put it in the hand and you can practice it getting steadier with it one of the big mistakes a lot of people make when they first start battle reports is they try to show you all the action real fast and it just totally disorients you but if you just have a nice steady hand and i have a pop socket at the end of my phone on the back of my phone helps you keep it a little bit more steady that's that's the way i enjoy it and most of the battle reports that i watch and like watching uh, do that handheld camera as well all right. Have you ever thought about intermingling the two, like having an overhead static cam, so you get like the um, uh, the Madden type approach? You know, you're looking straight down on it, and then cutting in and out from the handheld cam. James, that sounds like a lot of work, and we already established <laughs> nobody likes editing. <laughs> so, so my wife has suggested that we mount a camera, you know, up above the board, but like I. That well, that was my wife's suggestion too. Like she got got an arm and like camera to look down. So uh -huh. it's a common thought there. It makes sense. Like you can get the God's eye view. 
of it? I told her you know, she was in the Marine Corps for six years. I told her she was practicing to be a general officer, you know, coming up with all these great ideas that she doesn't have to do <laughs> instead of, you know, just letting things be as they are. Now, my Star Wars Legion battle reports, one of the things that we did really well, I feel, was we did have a static camera for the dice rolls. And Legion's one of those games where dice rolls are a little bit more complicated than standard games, you know, because you have cover to reduce hits, and then you have dodge tokens and aim tokens, and dice manipulation is a thing in Legion quite a bit. And so I thought it was really important to show those dice rolls and we would do that by cutting off my phone camera and cutting to a static 3D camera. And I would hit, click the, you know, start recording button over there most of the time. And uh, we got around it that way. But that was fairly easy editing. When you talk about editing actual gameplay, I think it would be a little bit too much for me. Okay. And this is about me after all, you know, <laughs> my audience probably thinks it's about them, but this is, this is about my hobby and how I have fun with it. So <laughs> I try to keep things entertaining for me. Well, I think we need to explain with like battle reports is there's so little content, especially in the lesser games that you can keep a lower level of quality because you're the only, it's a monopoly. It's like, yes. there's no competition to make you better. I, I, I live by that motto. <laughs> Well, you know, that's the YouTube channel is just for me is an extension of my schizophrenic chase out of different things. That's why mm-hmm. like there's models all over. I have categories and lots of videos. There's no <laughs> real cohesive. It's more like, hey, this is on sale this week. All right, let's paint it up. <laughs> no, you're I'm looking at your YouTube channel right now. It's it's very well organized. You know, you got two ages Sigmar. Uh, well, 32 of those videos. You got some Necromanda, you got some GU, Blackstone Fortress. You're all over the place, but well, it's well organized. The, if it, so the channel makes me do things. So if I know, <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm going to make a certain number of videos a week. So there's videos of me building stuff. That's to make sure I build it. Ah, <laughs> and to so you it. won't do it without the channel. Well, you know, it creates a structure and an order. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I need more videos. Well, what can I do? It's like, well, I've got sprues of plastic let's turn that into something i'll make videos about that so it's like the, if anyone doesn't watch the channel it still makes me produce things otherwise um i'm more of a collector so i'd buy boxes and just stack them in like closets and rooms and say yes i have those i'm one of those people that enjoy like all aspects of the hobby i enjoy the collecting i enjoy the painting and putting together and i enjoy the playing so i i I think I have a nice balance there, but I I can definitely see where like the collecting gene might take over and you have just a whole bunch of stuff that you never get to. We, we won't talk about my, uh, (laughs) my transformers collection. (laughs) That that remains hidden. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going to say a word about it. So your secret is safe with me. (laughs) Yes. Well, so I think, Originally, when we started the t- channel, we talked about doing battle reports. Of course, then like a pandemic hit. So our store kind of went out of, uh, we weren't going to film in there. But that was that talk of like, what is the best way to do it? Um, what do you find people are looking for in the battle report? Um, are they novices looking to use them as tutorials? Um, so do you have to spend a lot of time explaining the same room over, over and over or why you're doing each dice roll? 
or explaining the rules so that the audience can follow you? Or are you just like sitting there like chucking dice and like, especially with Legion, because you might throw a bunch of dice, trade tokens in, flip them over, um, remove dice, add dice, all that type of stuff. I think since we started playing Legion so early, there was no content out there. We were very explicitive on how things worked. And the added bonus to that was we were teaching ourselves the game at the same time. <laughs> so if you have to talk things through all the time, it's, it's a benefit for the people watching it and also of your benefit. And then uh, if you spent more than five minutes on YouTube, you, you know that if you do something wrong on YouTube, you'll have about 20 people tell you right away, it, which we welcomed. We we're like one of the few channels that would welcome that. Uh, it just made us better players and we want to make sure we got the rules right. So that's just something that's kind of carried over for us. I, you know, we made quite a bit of 40 K videos over in Germany. I don't think we were, we weren't what our deal was when we made 40 K videos, we did short form battle reports where we just did turn by turn. And then we had, you know, chips out there to show where casualties went down. Uh, but Legion really forced us to go with the rules and people seem to really like that. Uh, so we've can kind of, we kind of continue with that when it comes to both Oathmark and BPRE uh, now. Uh, other things that I think people really like is painted minis and nice boards. So if I was going to recommend somebody do a battle report, that, that would be the place I start. No one likes seeing gray plastic pushed around. Um, you know, I never even thought about that because I don't think I ever put unpainted minis on any of my videos. I don't do battle reports, but if like I'm doing a tutorial, I couldn't even imagine trying to present a game and just have a gray mini. Where... I'm not going to say there was never any gray minis on my channel, but I can tell you like all of my forces were painted. <laughs> <laughs> and, and one of the important things, if you're going to start making battle reports is to have a really good patient friend who can collaborate with you because like however long it takes to play a game, you're probably doubling that by putting it on camera um, let, me, let me ask you about the prep time. So mm -hmm. how do you guys play? How many times do you guys play the game before you film your first video? Um, boy, maybe five times, I would say. I think we had five run throughs of Black Powder Red Earth. And then I should say, like, every group has their rules explainer. And then every group has the nine other people who don't read the rules and just go to the rules explainer. I'm the rules explainer for my group. So I'll get the rule book and I will play through, you know, the, the rules by myself on the table and just make sure I have a fairly firm understanding of it. And then I'll bring my friends in on it and explain to them the rules and they might or probably won't read some of the rules. Uh, but, but, you know, when you have to teach somebody how to do something, it just solidifies your own knowledge of it. So that's kind of how it goes. So it starts with me playing games by myself and just figuring out the mechanic and a friend will play a few games and then we'll just start recording. And making mistakes is, is not a bad thing. One of the things I say about Warhammer 40k, because it's such a complicated game is like, there's never been a perfect game of 40k played. So you just kind of have to roll with it. I don't, I don't know. I'm sure whoever created it, like, is that how it's supposed to happen? Yes. 
<laughs> I don't know. So uh, Alex Davey was the original creator of Star Wars Legion. And then uh, Luke Getty was his collaborator later on. You would watch them on on the Fantasy Flight Miniatures channel, or Fantasy Flight Games channel, and they would get rules wrong all the time. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I think the rules creators are kind of like the the worst people to go to for the rules because they have it, you know, kind of set in their head and they're working like three steps ahead of where the rules are at. So, well, have you ever had that part? I've seen in some battle reports of where get into a discussion about the rules and then the video fades to black and mm-hmm. then it comes back in and it's like, okay, we worked this out. <laughs> this is what needs to happen. Yes. Yes, we absolutely have. And uh, normally it's me explaining to Chris why he can't do something on my channel. <laughs> um, but occasionally, you know, I, I'll make mistakes as well. So, All right. Um so you're talking about, do you ever frame some of your battle reports as tutorials themselves? Like you pick out, like with BPRE, like um, your first video, I think you ran Clear and Sunny Skies mm-hmm. um, yeah. as the uh, environment card there. And just for anyone listening, that's the, um, there's no rain. There's no, because the other one's like Sandstorm. Yes. Limited visibility and then uh, nighttime. Um, so I, I want to say for my first bell report was actually a sandstorm. No, I think it, not. I don't know. It was because my shirt, I could only shoot 12 inches. Okay. I didn't realize you were, you were probably yep. screaming at the, at the computer screen. Like, why uh, are you shooting with the shirt? Ah, there's a sandstorm. Okay. Well, you know, when I, I probably didn't pick up on that because the way you guys were maneuvering, mm. you really didn't even get a chance to shoot. Um, <laughs> sure, I would like no one out. had like no one had a shot until like they were right on top of each other. So I don't think the sandstorm really came into play. Um, it, it only affected my shirt's movement, and the only people who couldn't shoot over twelve inches were the shirt. So my uh, shirt okay. went down pretty quickly. Um, but as far as tutorials, so I think the tutorial is the hardest thing to film. You say it's battle reports. I think that's easy because it's just you and a friend playing a game and being your natural selves and having fun. I think tutorials where you're showing people the rules of the game are super complex. You have to make them concise, accurate, and fun. And those three things are not easy to do. And so, no, I, I will. I made a playthrough for Oathmark for the Paint All the Minis YouTube channel where it was just me playing a game against myself where I was, again, explaining everything in detail. But I will not make a video where, like, this is how movement works. This is how a wheel works. This is how a pivot works or anything like that. Because I I think they're just too tough to do. And people who do them, I applaud. Well, see, I've done them. I, I thought they were easier because I don't need anyone else to do them. So I, I measure difficulty and how many other humans I have to bring into the operation. Mm. So like when you do tutorials, you just make a shot list and you just run down your shot list. I'm inherently uh, pretty lazy. So (laughs) number one, what is this shot list thing that you're talking about? Oh, when you, when you (laughs) frame it, you frame it out and it's like, okay, here's (laughs) for this scene, storyboard it up. (laughs) (laughs) We'll need these props and these miniatures. No, sir. I'm going to, I'm going to need a three K three quarter angle shot down 
That is not how we roll on the Warcore YouTube channel. I'm not even sure what you're saying right now. Uh, I, I find the having more people on the channel like lessens my load because I don't have to fill up all the time with my own nonsense. I can have Chris on there talking his nonsense or Jim on there talking his nonsense. And it just takes a lot of the pressure off me. So don't you find it really hard to like, I mean, rules are inherently complex. Even a game like Black Powder Red Earth, which has a very streamlined rule set, covering how line of sight works between two models and what can block it and what can't, I think is incredibly daunting to try to film. Yeah, you think about it for a while. You know, I, I think the problem with the tutorials is that you've got to go through the rule book and then subdivide the rules. You got to think five to seven minute videos. It's like, what can I talk about in five to seven minutes there? And I will say one thing, it'll make you solid on the game rules. So I can, I can play zone alpha. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I used to play golf and I, I kind of had the same theory there. Like why go to the practice range when you can go out on the actual course and play the game? I'll learn the rules just by, by playing the games. And then when things come up, we'll fade to black. We'll discuss it. <laughs> and then we'll be right back and tell you what kind of came of the discussion. But, you know. <sighs> when I play golf, I only did nine holes. Mm -hmm. I, won't, I won't do 18 holes. And um, people are free to play through. <laughs> I'm, it's like, we need to move faster. We need to get, why? Like, none of us are going pro. We're just hanging outside. I'll yeah, pick up this ball and throw it, torch. <laughs> I'm fine with that too. I stopped playing. I found myself getting frustrated with the windmill that was just constantly knocking the ball back towards <laughs> me <laughs> and then trying to get it over, you know, like the little bridge and stuff. So I don't play it anymore. I stick to miniature games, but uh, same philosophy. Go out there and, and play it. So that, that's kind of what works for me. I, I really want you to put together some BPRE uh, tutorials now so I can send them to my friends who don't play, who don't read the rules just so you can back up what I'm, what I'm telling them. <laughs> well, let me ask you, um, I'm planning on doing one. So, you know, it takes a while. You spend a lot of time thinking about it before mm -hmm. you actually get to it. So yeah, it's not just throw it on the table and go, but I am looking at your setup back there. And you actually mm -hmm. have diffusers and mm -hmm. lights. So um, why don't you explain to people your, your lighting choices there? Because like, uh, it's not what you described originally, like you alone in a room with an iPhone, which sounds like the start of a criminal charge. <laughs> we, we've come a long way since then. Um, no, my wife is super supportive of my hobby. This is the, the new wife, not the old wife. Where do you, through the where do you think this mic came from? I didn't buy this. <laughs> I mean, you find yourself, you know, a good partner and they're going to, they're going to help you out. And so she bought these lights for me and uh, we're in a new house. We just moved here about four months ago. So I was playing in the concrete basement of the rental that we were in. So now I have a dedicated game room with some decent lighting to begin with. So this is just all gravy now. And these are all things that you don't really need to make a, a good battle report. But as you, you know, start honing your craft do come in handy. And so I don't know any, like when you were talking about camera angles and stuff like that, clearly that is not my thing, nor do I know anything about the chemistry of light diffusers to tell you how the light flows through them. 
uh, in some sort of metaphysical manner because science, me, no bueno. No bueno. So, all right. Well, um, knowing that, talking to you about acoustics. So I will say your BPRE report, your, uh, your opponent there, mm-hmm. I cannot always hear him. So how yes. Do how do you handle sound? Does everyone have a mic? No, it's a external mic on my iPhone and I tell my opponents to speak loudly. And then okay. Jim is an infrequent guest. So I, I need to get back on him to speak louder. <laughs> okay. uh, but if you have Chris, he, he pretty much blows out the mic every time then he's on. So it's you, you're using the onboard mic of the um, iPhone, right? Well, no, you have like external. a shotgun attachment. Yes, okay. that is correct. And, okay. uh, you know, it's directional. So I just pointed at my opponent and I speak funny loud. I did notice the same thing with Jim. Um, oh, since you have a direct, is he, he talks when he's looking down. So you're not picking it up. That certainly doesn't help. And then okay. he's, he's just not loud enough, but those are, you know, things that you can play with and, and adjust without having a technical fix to it. You just need to do a human fix to it. So the important Talk thing louder. is exactly. And uh, you know, the important thing is you have a microphone of some sort and you can, you can work around that then. Well, hopefully this, in your future videos, you'll get like a, stuff. <laughs> you'll have a sound guy with like the little like hands above the head with like the little mic. Down. You know, I taped some boom mics to the corgis, but I can't get them to stay <laughs> in one place. And they just kept knocking into things. So uh, that experiment died on the vine. Lay down, roll on their side. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how, uh, how many videos do you film at a time? Do you spend like all day film like four videos or do you like do one a weekend? Um, How do you plan that out? Because thinking about it, like some of these games, like Oathmark, you could probably put like two hours if you didn't like, um, especially if you're not solid on the rules there. BPRE, you can do really quick, really yes. quick. Um, if you look in the book, it's a 26 by 26 inch um, area. So have you looked at, you don't have, you don't have the tiles yet, but that doesn't actually work with your tiles. So we're playing on a 30 by 30 board, just a weird little aside. Yeah. So when, I, when you read it, cause I was looking at the layouts in the book. Mm-hmm. It says like, oh, you can play this on a two foot by two foot board. But when you actually count the squares in the book, it actually comes up to 26 by 26. So and then when you put the buildings on the 26 by 26 board, they will overlap each other on some maps. Okay, I haven't gotten to those maps then. So Okay, that's good to know. Because I noticed your um, board seemed a little bit bigger than what I was expecting. I just thought it was the kind of map like oh, okay you're just fitting it to the mat they're not hyper specific on like the rules like it it has to be this dimension no and you know it did make the scenario a little tougher on gyms so in the future what we're going to do is uh like if it's a six so i got it so it works really well on a 30 by 30 map 30 inches by 30 inches and so like if it says deploy six inches from the board edge we're just going to make that eight inches so it's a four inch wider board, four inch deeper board. We're going to have, you know, whatever the difference is uh, to, to make it more even in the future, but uh, it does need to be a little confined. I just found 26 by 26, not to work on some of those maps. Okay. What could be helpful for me, James, is if you put together a tutorial on how to set up the maps 
and show me what I'm doing wrong because I'm always willing to learn. Okay. <laughs> Start storyboarding that, my friend. It's, they're, they're little acrylic pieces. How hard can it be, right? Yeah, well, you know, it just, again, not good at science, not good at math. Maybe I'm just mismeasuring things, but uh, I haven't been able to make it work. But what was the original question before I got on that okay. aside? So how how do you do your video oh. shoots? Yes, do you do I mean, a bunch of uh, battle reports? Like, you know, one weekend it's like, okay, we're going to do 10 games here. Or do you do it like every weekend, do like one game? Because it's going to depend because Legion, Oathmark are like the larger uh, platoon company size squad-based games while BPRE is the individual model control uh, faster game. Yeah, so Oathmark, we're up to 3,000 points per side now, and uh, that's a slog. Yeah, <laughs> that's a five-hour so, game, right? My last bow report was pushing three hours, which is like a ridiculous amount of time for a bow report. But if you got nothing to do for three hours, it's a fun watch. Um, and that's just the part that we filmed. <laughs> so uh, that is, that's a one and done. Star Wars Legion, we could do two games in a night if we were hustling. Uh, but generally, I like to take my time and, and have more fun with that. I expect with BPRE, we're going to do like three or four together. And it's either going to be a night raid where it's just going to be one long video showing three missions. Or it's going to be three or four separate operations uh, that I put out individually. I haven't really figured that one out yet. But I game once a week on Saturdays. And so if you know, my gaming partner is up for it and I feel like it, that's when we break out the camera and, and go ahead and film it. But I, I, um, you said you use your channel and you feel like a need to produce videos. I'm, I'm like beyond that at this point. Um, and it's You're just at a like, higher level of existence there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say that I'm not trying to, you know, but yeah, if we were doing the, the desire is the root of all unhappiness. So I, I get that. <laughs> I'm just uh, it's it's one of those things where I kind of achieved what I want to achieve with my channel. Now I'm just kind of a little bit more relaxed about it is what I would say. And so if I feel like filming a game, we'll film it. If I don't feel like filming a game, then we'll just play a game and have fun that way. Um, but there's not much planning that goes up, up for it. It's just we'll show up for the game night and be like, Hey, you want to film this one? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. No, not really. Okay. And then we're just going to play. Well, let me ask you on the, on the longer ones, have you ever taken the approach and thought about like, um, get the establishment shot at the top of the round, cut out a lot of the stuff in between and get like the uh, closeout shot at the end of the round and just ex walk people through what happened and a skip a lot. Cause like you're saying with Oathmark, 3000 points, three, three hours that's a lot to that's that have you ever lot. yeah have you ever thought about the explanation approach like okay this yes. is what so that's how we did warhammer 40k and with um oath mark what we generally do is skips round one and two we'll, we'll you know that's how everything's set okay. up we come back and we'll explain what happens one and two because that's mostly just movement towards contact with maybe a couple of archer volleys going off um this particular last game was the river crossing scenario where chris's forces were on the defense and some of them started up farther on the bridge in the middle of the board. Uh, so we felt that was important to capture in starting turn two, but if it's both sides lined up on opposite sides of the board, we will do just the, the round overview like you're suggesting. 
And that does save a lot of time. And then, you know, hopefully, like, I'll be winning really, really uh, decisively. And Chris, you know, surrenders in round four. That also shortens up a battle report. It's Everyone awesome. collapses and runs. <laughs> well, let me ask you, do you use the uh, skirmishing rule? Um, we'll go a little bit off to making the battle report, but the skirmisher uh, formation, that was like uh, one of the expansion rules. Do you use yes. that? Yes. What do you What do you think about that? That that always felt like something that should have been included in the main rule book in my mind. Um, I liked personally how they they had the main rule book, which has everything you need to play in it to include the campaign rules, and then the three supplements that came out afterwards. I think uh, the undead was a natural one to have as a supplement. You could argue that of all of them, if you were to include anything in the main rule book, it was the formations and there are six different types of formations that you can put your guys in. Um, I will say it doesn't change the way the game is played. Uh, it does add a little bit more depth to the tactics though. So I think in that way it does work as a supplement, uh, but it could have gone in the main rule book. I, we enjoy them. Uh, I've used the skirmish formation uh a few times but i think i've settled on for my current kingdom which is a combination of skaven and undead uh the phalanx formation which makes spearmen a little bit more powerful to the front but each one of those is is really interesting and i i think they were a good add to the game all right now i think what's important in that is that especially with oath mark you can tell it's designed for like quarterly expansions so um yeah, the main rule book, Oathbreakers, um, I'm blanking Bane of Kings. On Bane of Kings. And Battlesworn. Battlesworn. Yeah, so it was like Undead, Elite, and um, the other one. Uh, Formations and form- uh, yeah. Rock Monsters. So, but that brings up, if someone's watching your battle report, do you say which books you're using in that? Yeah. Because you could have like whole games, whole campaigns built around the core rule book and then throw in the campaign options of like um, the engineers and like uh, Battlesworn. So it's like, do you stay at the beginning and say, okay, we're going to use this book, this book, and this book. We're not going to use these books here. Because you might have someone who has like the core rule book, but they don't have Oathbreakers and they're wondering what the hell you're doing um, on there. Um, I think one of the things about Joseph A. McCullough's games and his fans is that they tend to go all in for most of it and no one's stumbling across an oathmark video of mine and being like <laughs> no. hey, what is this let me check it out you're going out and looking for it and so either through facebook or discord or someplace else you, you kind of know what's out there and then we do explain what the things do without having to say it comes from this book or that book um but I, I think most of the people who watch my videos kind of already know where it's coming from. And I, I just never even thought to kind of explain which books we're using. It's just all in for us. Okay. It, you know, completely different. Like if I was playing Star Wars Legion skirmish, we definitely made it clear that we were playing skirmish. <laughs> Um, same thing with um, 40k. If we were playing Kill Team, we made it clear we we're playing Kill Team. But Oathmark is one of those games 
and I, I think they're done with expansions, at least for a long, long time, to be honest. I don't think we're going to see they slow down. I didn't know if that was a pandemic production interrupt because it was going strong. Mm-hmm. Then um, that's why it kind of fell apart here. It's like the game hit well out here. People were excited about it. Then the pandemic broke up like the, a lot of the large in-game gatherings. I mean, you could do home games, but... Terrible time to release a game. It was like right as the pandemic was was breaking out, and it's a masked ranked fantasy game, so you can't play that one by yourself very effectively. I tried. Um, so yeah, it wasn't. Good. You play Team Yankee by yourself. Come on. Yeah, you know those things operate in very small little groups, bumper to bumper. I know. I know the the joke was um, it's just parking lots mm-hmm. running each other there. Mm-hmm. Then you see Ukraine say, Team Yankee was right. Yeah. <laughs> they, are, they do just sit right next to each other and roll forward. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's true. It's all true. <laughs> but no, getting, getting back to that. Okay, because um, I think there are certain games that are just harder to play. And if they're harder to play, they're harder to make battle reports for. Um so like Oathmark takes more into it than like BPRE. So like like you showed, if you want mm. well painted armies out there, um, twenty guys and you're done. I mean, and really BPRE, you could play play with four guys, four and four, if you really wanted to. Like if you ran like one of the smaller two hundred point game, or like an advisor and like some other guys on there and you can have eight miniatures you're done where like yeah. oathmark if you're playing three thousand points you've got several formations out there so it becomes a harder game to achieve to play but also making battle reports there's going to be fewer people who have all that stuff put together mm, well i got studio armies and uh, <laughs> so when when jim plays oathmark over here you know now chris they tend to use my studio armies because I'm a, I'm a fairly fast painter. Same thing with BPRE. They're going to be using my toys. Um, well, that's an advantage you as a creator have is that you have, you've built up a, a stockpile. Yes. Of miniatures. Well, so, I, mean, I make tens of dollars a month off of YouTube. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I just reinvest that right back into the channel. <laughs> you use Krylon primer to make that dollar stretch <laughs> a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. Um, I do. I do have that advantage, and you know, I, I feel the need. Like when the channel first started, my the Germans, God bless them, James, uh, fantastic painters, slow as can be at getting stuff painted. Like my friend Simon, masterclass painter, he would have like five models done for a game of forty k, <laughs> and. You know, you're talking about BPRE, you only have like 150 point force of CT Scorches, seven models, you know, right around there. Um, so you got to paint them up to a fairly decent standard. If you have 20 dwarves standing in formation, they don't have to be painted that well, I would tell you. Because <laughs> uh, no one's going to look at them that closely. Um, so you can take some shortcuts there. The important thing is to get them painted, though, if you're going to be doing battle reports. And as far as, you know, complex games being harder to film, I, I don't think so necessarily. I don't know as if complex games are, are harder to play 
either. I think as long as both people have a firm understanding of the rules, a game's a game in a lot of ways, and you're just playing a game. And it just so happens when you're playing this particular game with a friend, just like you've done, you know, every week for five years at the local game store, this time one of you has a camera on the hand. And so it's just the same thing. It just kind of flows from there. So I I don't, I, I know I can get more battle reports filmed in a day if I do BPRE than Oathmark, but I don't think it's necessarily easier anyway. Okay. Now, I was going to ask you something. It was very important. How we managed <laughs> to keep any cursing off of my channel? Well, that is yeah, a tough, that's... tough get. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, uh, at least you have the presence and the awareness that there's a camera pointing at you. Like, um, oh, for sure. And. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. GoPro. Have you ever thought about using a GoPro? Because I've never, I've never seen anyone do that. Since you're doing like the Michael Bay, like just wherever your gaze settles is where the camera's pointed. Why not just put a camera on top of your head? Oh, so the, the forehead mounted GoPro? Yeah. Like, have you ever thought about that? I've never seen anyone do that. You can always tell it's an iPhone in their hand. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that just because the iPhone's readily available, people have them. Or is it just they want that that first person view? GoPros are interesting. Um, I don't have a lot of experience with them, but don't they kind of like, like widen out towards the sides? I think there's some flexibility on it. I've okay. I don't ride mountain bikes, so I've never had the desire to film myself riding. Here's where I would get in trouble. Like Chris will start talking and I'll just start dazing off and I can hold the <laughs> okay. camera up and focus on Chris while I'm over looking at my dogs and smiling or doing whatever I want. So I, I think that would just be a little bit too much look behind the curtain. If you saw what I was actually looking <laughs> See at. your view trail yeah. off to the left there. <laughs> There's a reason why I'm feeling that way. You can't see my eyes rolling uh, as Chris, you know, starts to starts to go off uh, the deep end on things. Okay, starts asking you to clarify the same rule for the third time in a row, and you just like <laughs> see the camera slowly settle down, <laughs> looking at the table. We were we were playing when clones first came out in Star Wars Legion, and clones had a mechanic where you could share aim tokens and dodge tokens. Yeah, you can do the big pass. Uh-huh. And it line. was yeah. it was just a standard rule for clones. Clones could do that with other clones if they were within, I think, uh, one segment or six inches. And Chris could not comprehend this for an entire game. And he was like, well, what allows you to pass the token? Is it because Rex is on the board? And it's like, no, Chris, these are clones. Clones pass tokens. And so the next day he sent me... Um, the SpongeBob SquarePants cartoon where him and Patrick are convincing like the evil bad guy. And they're trying, ah, this isn't working out well for, for radio, but <laughs> explaining things to Chris, it can take a minute <laughs> or a few times to get through. I will say he's a heck of a gamer though, which is why I love playing with them. I've never met anybody so creative in their gameplay and uh, find paths to victory out of what seemed to be shambles than Chris manages to do, which makes our games super interesting because I'm not that type of player. Have you ever had anyone on that you decided, you know what, this is not your journey. Like being 
filming bad reports. Like, this is not where you belong. Like, have you ever had anyone on and said, you know what, you would not, you're not continuing down this path? No, no, but I've never had anybody on that I hadn't played a game with beforehand. So it's all people I enjoy. You don't have any like randos drop by your house? I did one time and we put it on post on Craigslist. Please stop by my house. (laughs) It 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 freaks my wife out, like um, because I did this one time and it was a super game and we had a good time and it was posted on the Paint All the Minis YouTube channel. Um, But one of the things that you get when when you're a popular YouTuber is like people will send you some pretty cool stuff. And my wife hates it when I give out my address to people I don't know and been on the internet so they can send me free stuff like Star Wars Legion tokens and things like that. So you don't have a a dead drop box? (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. Uh, The the closest I get to a a cover is the, you know, my Facebook is under War Corgi and not my real name. So I haven't picked up on that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nope. No one's picked up on that, including ISIS, and that's the way we want to keep it. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we've run this topic down, but uh, something we normally ask is uh, we do a, our horizon scan. Mm-hmm. So, um, what are you looking forward to coming out? It's like two weeks out there. Those ARE miniatures coming out in the next six. Looking days. forward to the Hongbin and the ARE. Yeah, because it's really bothering me to play with these rebels <laughs> on my on my reports. Well, have you ever thought about Spectre miniatures or like turn base, getting some of those other ones and plopping them in, or you want the ones that match, like the graphic novels? No, I would have done that. And if uh, you know, Black Powder Rhetoric would have said, you know, they're not coming out with these for a year, I would have gone that direction. Um, but the fact that they're coming out and I was really happy with the original models that I got for CT Scorch, I'm, I'm content to wait on it. But as soon as they're out, I'm going to get them painted up and they're going to be on the channel. That's for sure. Okay. Do you see, do you see yourself expanding your, uh, modern line or ultra modern? Like, because Black Powder Red Earth is really based around the graphic novel. Mm-hmm. And so there is no it's not like specter operations of where you can expand outside of like the 26 inch by 26 inch kill box there. There's no, no, if I went back to modern, it would be force on force. And I'd go back to team Yankee, but I didn't like team. That's Yankee just a huge game. That's just a huge scale shift. And like going from 28 millimeter to like, you put that in contextually in like the same universe that 15 millimeter, 1983 in the same universe with like 2021. Yeah, um, so I'm not the type to like play a bunch of different rank and flank fantasy games, and I don't think I'd be the type to play a bunch of you know ultra modern skirmish games. Uh, I think if I'm going to go with a new game, it, it tends to be something that's totally different from anything else I played, okay, uh, or play. So yeah, if if I was going to do another modern, it would be at the battalion regimental level of Team Yankee. Okay. Now, so you're not looking for synergies in between the games? No, I- and that's one of the great things your channel does. Uh, it's you know get the most out of your gaming with what you have. And, I've and limited I storage that. capacity. It's like I love that about you, <laughs> but. Um, 
No, that that's definitely not me. I think the closest I came was when I played both 30k and 40k for Warhammer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but otherwise, like all my games are different. I would say. Okay, I know. Um, I am looking forward to it. I like to see when he's going to come out with those because um, looking at the models. I know he makes them in Texas. Like there's someone in Texas that makes those for him. And they look mm. like Siocast. Um, so I think that's how he's able to pull that off. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what those come out. I mean, I'll definitely get them. I'm so this is like Far Horizon, not Far Horizon. It's gonna be this year, but I'm super excited because they're gonna be releasing six new troop classes for each side for Black Potter Red Earth. So this is your over the horizon scan. This is over the horizon for sure. There we go. But I think that's going to jazz up the game significantly. Um, Having some different options for both sides. So what's on your horizon? My horizon right now. You know, um, I recently was on a trip. That's where I reached out to you. Normally I go on big buys while I'm out. So Mm -hmm. I'm kind of kind of cash trapped right now <laughs> i've already i have like a uh, burn rate that i set for myself per month and so i'm gonna be uh lagging a couple months on that burn rate there so um but i did actually write a um review for uh military manager magazine nice uh, for bpre so yeah my review should be coming out um in you're, the next you're gonna day. be a published author is what I'm hearing. I'm, so you don't know my true name, but yes, I'm, I am. I don't get, so anyone listening to this, I don't give out my true name. This is my, my pseudonym. This is my cover name, but I, I am a published author already, but uh, normally I don't get paid for it. Five cents a word. Look at that. I never dreamed I would be on a podcast with Stephen King, the man himself. <laughs> but here I you know, am. You know what? I will take that as an insult because I'm, an insult there's you know what he puts out a lot of schlock there's some gems in there but there's some ones that that are weak i mean they're not all winners okay he i fair enough i i i credit him on his sales he's got good sales (laughs) i could have named like some really great authors but most of them are dead (laughs) I think it's a line in uh, Master Margarita, which is my favorite book. Uh, the guy's trying to get into uh, a Moscow restaurant in the 1920s Moscow. And it's a literary, it's a restaurant just for the literary circle. And so the hostess asks his name and he says, Pushkin. And she's like, Pushkin's dead. And he says, Pushkin's immortal. <laughs> and so maybe I should have gone with, you know, uh, Joseph Heller or somebody like that would would that have offended you less if I would said I was on a podcast yeah, yeah, with Joseph I, Heller? That'd have been fine. I mean, Stephen King's Steve, fine. He's got money. I yeah. can respect that. <laughs> he is successful. Oh, I respect that. That was uh, The Shining. The best, his best work. No. So I'm gonna let you in on another secret. Uh, I can't do horror movies. I absolutely like love the plots and stuff. And so like, if I watch a YouTube video over what the horror movie is, I'm good and I'll enjoy that. But I screamed out loud 
like a four-year-old when I watched the movie Scream, which isn't even a true horror movie. But that first scene with Drew Barrymore, I screamed out loud and blamed it on my ex-wife. <laughs> Sounded much like her. My my daughter loves, my daughter's like 14. She loves blood thrash, like slasher horror mm-hmm. films, like the more blood, the better. And it's like, I, I find no appeal in that whatsoever. And uh, the one that gets me are zombie movies. I, I don't, I don't like watching those. And my issue is um, I like 1965 uh, George Romero's uh mm-hmm. Dawn of the dead. dead yeah oh, night yeah. of the walking so because i like how it ended because it ended realistically zombies are rising okay guys grab your guns we're going to stand mm-hmm. on the line and walk forward and shoot them all problem solved <laughs> like, and for Not- me that was a believable ending to how a zombie movie would end now all James, the other I- ones just I'm getting the sense that you're the guy who watched Star Wars and and was like, TIE fighters would not explode in space because there's no oxygen there. I'm um, actually kind of fine with that kind of stuff. Okay, good. good. No, it's those people. And they make noise. Like they make noise. And yeah, like, yeah. They have to do long, slow arcs because grab, you know, reasons. <laughs> Air pressure under boils. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Long banking curves are necessary in space. So it doesn't kill the pilot. See, I can't even do a game like Zombie Side. Uh, that would be a little bit too much for me as far as the horror aspect. So I stay far away from that. So that is not on my horizon whatsoever. Believe me, I look away. Mm-hmm. That's the way to do it. <laughs> um, so I had a new puppy when uh, the movie Blair Witch Project came out. And I've always said Blair Witch Project is the litmus test on whether or not somebody has an imagination. Like if you watched it and you said that was the stupidest thing I ever saw, you got no imagination. If you watched it and you had a new puppy and your ex-wife and you refused to take the puppy out in the middle of the night, unless the other person was with them, that means you had a very strong <laughs> imagination. Walk back to back outside. <laughs> you know, the, the way that Blair Witch got them, they got them separated and that wasn't going to happen with the ex-wife and me and the puppy. So, we survived it. Well, he was just playing a longer game. He got you separated. Mm. <laughs> it's, the, it's the long play there. <laughs> Too soon? Too soon? <laughs> Blair Witch was actually a high school student? <laughs> you didn't get paid scale? Oh, my God. That, that's the horror part of it. <laughs> all right my friend okay well I'll let you go thanks for staying up oh it's been a pleasure it's been a pleasure i look forward to listening to this one well hopefully we'll have you on some other time or whenever we'll i pastors whenever i pass through st louis i'll stop by there you have an ikea okay i pick something up you're you're welcome here at the studio anytime we can play some black powder red earth i got studio armies for Oathmark. uh or if uh you're feeling really froggy we can throw some legion on the board I'm down for that. I'm down for that. All right. Well, thank you, Michael of War Corgi. And go watch the War Corgi channel for battle reports. Or don't. I mean, I'm doing this for me, so whatever. <laughs> well, you you might have cost yourself tens of cents there this month. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Thank you for getting those new BPRE models after all. <laughs> now I'll have to buy Army Painter. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for joining us at Miniature Wargaming Labs, and we'll see you next time.